Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Guys, welcome to our show that's for you and about you. Those of you who work so hard for your money and you want your money to start working harder for you now. You want that freedom, cash flow, and prosperity today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but right now to live that life that you love, doing what you love with those that you love. But most importantly, guys, it's not just about making a lot of money. It's about creating impact by being a rippler. You're able to create a ripple effect through the lives of others because as you're blessed financially, you can help others do the same. So guys, I'm so grateful to have you here. Again, we're excited to help a thousand of you guys become financially independent by the year 2030. Whoever you are, we are here and committed to do that. As a reminder, always check out our website, moneyripples.com. There's a great ebook on there. You can, you can actually download for free. And hey, guys, you know, always remember, like there's anything, any topics you want on this show, shoot me an email, chris at moneyripples.com and uh, love to be able to have some new topics to be able to teach you guys. So make sure you do that. Hey, how amazing would it be if you could create monthly cash flow, passive income, from making at least double digit returns on your money. And get this, it's only $1,000 or more that you need to invest. Guys, that's exactly what Secured Investment Corp does. They actually do short-term lending to real estate investors that's backed by real estate that you can actually reach double digit returns on. That means 10% or better. It's also IRA friendly, and you can even reinvest those monthly distributions to create compound interest on your money too. So guys, if you wanna learn more about that, go check out Secured Investment Corp com that's secured s-e-c-u-r-e-d investmentcorp.com all right so i got a special guest here that uh it's actually i think i can't remember if we've had you on before i know we've had ron on uh several times we've had ron phillips on before with rp capital but heather marchin actually is kind of the you know where ron might be more the visionary heather's where the rubber hits the road heather is the person that's there helping people match up with these turnkey properties. And you've heard me mention turnkey real estate quite a bit on this show as my own personal favorite way to invest. Well, Heather is, is like the master at be able to kind of be the matchmaker to help you find that right house. And so she works at RP Capital, has been working with them, you know, helping match you up with the homes and be able to run their own team to be able to do the same thing for you. And excited to have her on our show today. So Heather, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I have a lot of clients that listen to your show. And so I know they're going to be pumped to hear my voice. That's right. They they're going to say, I know her. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'll be famous yet again, right? So no, That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, I'm briefly mentioned, like, what's your podcast show that you do with Ron often? Yeah. So we do Get Real Estate Success is our mm. podcast. We talk really about getting real about what's happening in the market. We really don't like to sugarcoat or be self-interested in our perspective. Like to get real is what we say all the we're going to get real. We're going to be honest. So it's getrealestatesuccess.com for those who are interested in branching out and listening to other podcasts. But ours is pretty real estate focused, but sometimes Ron will get on a political tangent and I try to keep us out of trouble. So <laughs> try to keep the hate mail away. I remember the very first time I met Ron was about eight years ago at a little tiny match mind of like six of us. And people are like, you guys should connect. And then after I connect with him on Facebook, I started hearing his political stuff. I'm like, 
I love this guy already. This guy's <laughs> awesome. That he should meet David Phelps. And then I found out he yeah. met David Phelps that same week. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like attracts like. It's awesome. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think it's interesting how we run in similar circles. I don't know how many people that I work with that I find out you also send your clients over. We work with the same accountant. We work uh-huh. with the same person. You actually referred me to a person who sets up LLCs. I mean, refer back and forth to the really the same people all the uh-huh. time. So the time. that's for sure like like attracts like in on many levels with us. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and it's I've awesome. bought several properties through you guys as well. And you guys have done a bang up job with that. And so give us more about your personal background. Cause I mean, obviously you didn't just start doing this. You kind of worked your way through, uh, you kind of evolved into the position yeah. you're in today. I really did. And I really feel so grateful because this was not the career path I was on. And, uh, mm-hmm. my husband was a graduate student and I am very like, we get along really well, Chris, cause I am very, don't really like debt, especially the bad debt. <laughs> and so I was really trying to be careful to live within our means and save and not go on any crazy vacations when we couldn't afford it. Right. So I was looking for a good job for some stability for us. And I started working for some random real estate brokerage and worked for Ron. And I literally sat at the front desk and I worked my way through just about every seat in the company from marketing to escrow to sales. I'm functioning COO right now and still selling, still working with clients, mostly because I can't just totally step out. Mm -hmm. I just love it. I love helping people. It's fed something that always has helped me feel alive is just helping people and giving them what you talked about in the beginning, right? Like helping them become financially independent. There's just nothing quite like it for a career path. So my background changed very quickly and I um, became really passionate about it. And I have twins that are 11. And when I was pregnant with them, Ron said, you know, Heather, you really should consider getting your license and being Mm -hmm. on our investment consultant side of our business. And I was slightly offended because I had worked with a lot of agents in the office over the years. And I wasn't very impressed by their I don't know, character, but also more importantly, it was the way they treated other people and talked about other people. And so I, Ron said, Heather, you'd be really good at it. I think you're a natural at it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't even know how I feel about (laughs) how you saying that about (laughs) me, but it quickly transitioned for me into helping people be able to achieve financial freedom and wanting to make a difference in their lives, but also generations. I mean, that impacts their kids. It impacts their peers. The ripple effect is almost immeasurable. We've tried to measure it actually. And it's, it's really almost immeasurable. It really is. And that's what obviously attracted us together. I think because we're kind of on that same, we have that similar Mm -hmm. vision, you know, that same progression moving forward, you know, so Makes it fun. Makes it a lot of fun for sure. Definitely. So, well, so the big question I know I get all the time uh, from clients, from strangers, you name it. Yeah, everybody keeps asking like, oh, I don't know, like the prices are just skyrocketing right now in real estate. Should I just not buy real estate right now? Should I wait for it to cool off? Especially now that inventory is low, right? Like what do we yeah. do? You know, is this even the right time to buy yeah. real estate? I mean, now obviously you guys still transact real estate. You've seen the, the lack of inventory, you know, how you have to be very selective. And when you find that great property for your clients, what's your perspective? What's your outlook on the market right now? Is it still a good time to buy? 
So I think as long as you stick to your, like your criteria, Mm -hmm. definitely a couple of things that I think I've seen happening lately is investors trying to make a deal work, which Mm -hmm. our philosophy is you should try to kill the deal. You should try to find reasons why the deal is not a good deal, not the other way around. (laughs) So in a market that's this competitive and when prices are rising, we're seeing that everywhere that people are really trying to force a deal. They're offering over asking and they're not taking a moment to really think about it. And maybe a primary residence, that's a little different. You need a place to live. And so maybe it's not necessarily that criteria fits for a primary residence because that is just a primary need. However, when it comes to rental properties and all of our markets we're working in right now, we're not seeing crazy skyrocketing prices, but we're Mm -hmm. also not in areas that are super volatile. So we haven't really been impacted by that very much. We have been impacted for sure on the supply and demand for sure, not having enough. So I am having to be a little more creative to help clients who are seeing equity in their properties. They've held them for several years. I'm reaching out more to our clients and saying, hey, win-win, right? I have investors that want property. You've told me you've wanted to sell soon and you have, here's the spread. Let's look at selling. So we've had Mm -hmm. to be a little creative to help our clients find properties new construction, we've also had to be a little creative. So with that, I actually just dealt with this this morning that this is happening nationwide from what I've been seeing is appraisals are coming in low on new construction, but the builder Mm -hmm. is saying, there's no way I have to to sell. (laughs) Yeah. Especially because costs have gone up. So they're saying, no way am I going to hold on to this contract. I'm just going to let you out and I'm going to sell it again. But we've had to be a little creative with that, which isn't my favorite. This market, you would think being in real estate, it would be really fun for someone like me that loves helping people and is driven Mm -hmm. by those factors and less about making money. It's actually stressful. It's really (laughs) stressful. So we've moved more property last year was our best year ever. And we're on track with the same amount of properties already under contract this year as we did all of last year. So it's definitely feverish that way Mm -hmm. with clients wanting to purchase. So the supply and demand for having enough properties is probably the greatest impact. But as long as you stick to your criteria, you don't deviate, you know, you still need cash flow as far as Mm -hmm. our principles. Because I guess the listeners, you know our principles, but yeah. <laughs> the listeners don't. Cash flow, the property has to cash flow. Appreciation yeah. is a gift, not a mm-hmm. given. Good neighborhoods, we don't go into D class neighborhoods, and we're just not willing to bend on those or compromise. Markets that have a strong economy, and we want to see a low vacancy rate, that there's a good demand for rental property. Yeah. So we need good property management in that market. And it needs to be a landlord-friendly state, landlord-friendly legislation. Mm -hmm. So especially with the eviction stuff that's been happening, you don't want to have a triple threat with having legislation against you. Yeah. (laughs) I know my wife and I hate HOAs. You do not want to be in a state where it feels like an HOA. Yes. The whole state. That's so true. The whole state is like an HOA. That is so true. Good example. I haven't heard that before. We try to avoid HOAs if we can too. I mean, we've been a little creative before because of that very thing. No one wants to have someone bossing you around as an owner. So (laughs) it's true. 
nobody wants to, you know, pictures taken of your property saying you need to mow your grass. Like I'm passive. I don't need to mow my grass. Yeah, exactly. A couple other things that I've seen is that rents have actually been steadily increasing. I have a property myself in North Carolina and I was exploring selling it because I've owned it for four years. So not even with this surge of price increases, not even affected by that, this property in particular. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at selling and I was placing a tenant for me to put it on the market for an investor. And they raised the rent $200. Wow! And I went, well, looks like I'm keeping that now because that makes no (laughs) sense to sell it because it was rented at $900 and is now rented at 1100. So that's a big jump. Right. And so I, and that's not necessarily all over the place that I'm seeing rents that much of an increase, but steadily increasing rents Mm -hmm. has been kind of to help offset the investor rates jumped from like ridiculously cheap to cheap, really. Uh But rates are about four and a half percent for an investment loan right now. Right. But I've been seeing rents kind of just keep edging up. Mm -hmm. So that really keeps our cash flow numbers in line. Which is good. It makes me think, man, I got that North Carolina property. They haven't raised rent for over a year. We got to get them on it. Come on. (laughs) Yes. North Carolina is one of my favorite. That property manager in that state is so good at raising rents. You're going to be pleasantly surprised. I have a feeling when the lease is up. I'm looking for that that little birthday present. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's my favorite kind of birthday present. (laughs) For sure. Yep. Well, cool. Well, I mean, so what are some things that are going on to make it work? Because I mean, one thing I love about your company that I I see as a niche is that you guys are in multiple markets. Mm -hmm. So where I get some people saying, yeah, I'm looking at Indianapolis, but we just can't find anything there right now. We're looking at Memphis, but that's tough. And that's probably one of the big reasons why you're in multiple markets right now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it really helps to be able to be nimble that way. When Mm -hmm. we have maybe an upset in supply, we had an upset in supply in North Carolina this year uh, for various reasons, but a lot of it was availability of supplies couldn't get appliances. So (laughs) little things. So when we have less supply in one market, we have another seller like in Birmingham, they are Mm -hmm. constantly giving us inventory. We have like four or five different rehabbers in Birmingham and we have new construction we've sold in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. So kind of being able to pivot and uh, look for other markets that do work if one market stops working for one reason yeah. or another. So we've been in Pennsylvania and the eviction moratorium, the governor there has been very pro tenant mm-hmm. and we've had some clients hate in life for a uh-huh. few months because, and there's not a lot they can do about it. And yeah. so we work with the property manager. We have regular conference calls. We see, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, when's, when does it end? When can, and the governor just extended it like, just barely. Yeah, so yeah. we've kind of cooled off on selling property there. Yeah. Let's wait till this eviction moratorium stuff is behind us. Gone. And then it makes an, a difference to be able to pivot to different markets, like you said. And I think one thing that helps us in particular is we have long-term relationships with these rehabbers and builders. Some we've worked with for going on over 15 years. And so they know that this is temporary. And so the, the one I worked on this morning with that low appraisal, he could cancel this deal and he could uh-huh. sell it for $30,000 more. And he told me that. And yeah. he said, but because of our relationship, I'm not going to cancel it. Like we'll close it out, but just know Heather, like going to let you know that I'm doing this because it's a long-term relationship because when the market shifts, I mean, people that said, we don't need you anymore. RP capital come back in droves because yeah. 
they're out of options. The, the mm-hmm. seller market turns into a buyer's market and then they need someone like us. So yeah. that keeps our foot in the door and helps keep the prices kind of from going out of control if they mm-hmm. are going up just the continuity of business, knowing that they can rely on us in any economy. Yeah. No, that does help. That's not something necessarily that other people can duplicate, but you could lean on companies like ours, I guess, for that leverage. Well, you guys have a long track record of doing it. That's the thing I like too. And and I do like the fact you guys filter through them. You try to kill the deal before so that we don't have to do a lot of the research. I mean, we have to do some, I mean, we're still responsible for it, but it's not like we have to say, well, is this the right market? Am I buying this D-class yeah. property that's you know worth $45,000 in Columbus, Ohio, but mm-hmm. it's really a piece of crap and it won't appreciate ever and that kind of stuff. Like Those are the kind of deals I, when I run into clients there, when they have those properties, they always, always lament it. Like They always yeah. just like, yeah, I got it. But, I mean, luckily it was cheap, but you know, it's not really doing much and the tenants aren't the greatest and that kind of thing comes out. Exactly. It's more of a high risk, high reward type of property, those yeah. class properties. A couple of other things too, if you look at our population growth and overlay it with the amount of new homes that have been generated in our economy in the last decade, really since yeah. 2008, you'll see a big disparity in there. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of part of the problem in the supply and demand issue is we haven't built enough to keep up yeah. with population growth. So I have a lot of clients. So you get that question a lot, Chris. I get the question of, should I hold my money and wait for a crash? That's what I get. This has got to come down. And I'm like, yes, it does. But I think it will more, from all the metrics I see, I think it will more stabilize instead of crash. I'm actively buying myself right now. I have a triplex and a single family home under contract right now. It'll bring my portfolio up to 12 units, hopefully in the next like two months. Mm-hmm. All the supplies, our construction and rehab has just been slow because yeah. they can't get materials or right. they're waiting on city inspections in a pandemic and uh-huh. they have to quarantine. Someone got COVID. And I mean, it's just been very slow. We've had a lot of delayed closings. That's been frustrating to our clients until I sit and explain to them, like, look, let me tell you what we're up against. Our properties, some have been delayed like a year. I've just trying to get like the new construction stuff. Oh yeah. And some of our new construction was pre-construction and we've just had to say, we're going to wait for lumber prices to come down because we can't build or not. We we're not the builders. I I consider it like a collective effort, but the builder cannot build for the price we've sold them for. Mm -hmm. So we just have to pause. So those are some things we're dealing with as well. Have to wait for appraisals to catch up because the the appraisals go way slower than the lumber prices have been going. So even if the house you're willing to pay the price, the appraisal will say, nope, and you know, sorry. And then of course the bank will say, well, we don't want to lend for something more than appraisal and Mm -hmm. those little issues have to wait for that lag effect of appraisals to catch up. That's a big difference, by the way, between this market and the last one. Because mm-hmm. the last market, before the last crash, I remember appraisal fraud was rampant. That's right? true. There is so much appraisal fraud happening. Like appraisals were being driven up artificially. Yeah. And this exact opposite. And they're not giving a loan to anybody with a heartbeat right now. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you're jumping, I'm jumping through more hoops with a better financial situation than I've ever had. And I still feel like they, that I'm guilty of something, you yeah. know, like somehow I must be the worst borrower in the world because yeah. they have to ask for every little piece of documentation to prove that I can get in. And 
So everything is being, like you said, is being slowed down and it doesn't even allow yeah. a bubble to happen. Even though people think, oh, we got to be in a bubble. Like you're not even close yeah. to a bubble. <laughs> I totally agree. I mean, I wish that appraisers were a little easier to work with that all yeah. that fraud in 2008 has made it so we can't even talk to them or they're just this morning we sent over comps on that one property. The, the appraisal came in low and the comps are well over the, uh, the price on this property. And they yeah. said, no, we're not going to change it. Nope. Just because we don't have to. And yeah. it's, they're not accountable to anybody. They yeah. can make up their mind as to what they want to sell it, what they want to appraise it for. And that's it. So it does make the appraisal, it feels like a game, the appraisal mm -hmm. game, very difficult. One thing was, so our one builder in Oklahoma, he came to me about three weeks ago and he said that he was having that very problem mm -hmm. and he had whole developments that he was building. He was building for owner occupied. Yeah. We've sold rental properties through him before for gosh, he's one of the 15 year relationships. And he said, so I talked to Ron and we had this idea and he said, what if, and I said, yeah, you want to place a cash buyer to set comps? and incentivize the cash buyer. And then it sets your comps for the rest of the development. And he was like, yes. <laughs> so we've been doing that for him. And we tell the investor, like, this is exactly what we're doing. The appraisal may come in low, you pay cash, and he's going to offer you in this particular instance, he's offering two years of prepaid property management. And at that point, you could then refinance. So mm -hmm. there's, and for buyers that like new construction and you know those sort of things, it's a win-win. So there's ways to kind of be creative to help in those situations because that builder has the ability. He'll just keep all of them. He'll rent mm -hmm. them out. He'll keep every single house and he won't right. sell them. So yeah, definitely. And then another thing that I'm exploring um, mm -hmm. is 3D printing of houses. I told you, you have to get creative, Chris, and uh -huh. <laughs> you can print a house with a 3D printer on site and it takes three days to put up all the walls and the structure of the home. And it's an artificial stone. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing some research, making sure lenders would finance a 3D printed home right. is my latest this morning. And the answer I got this morning was, I don't know. I, I've never had that question before. So <laughs> sometimes that creativity can really yield some good benefits, especially 3D printing has been around, but it's typically been so expensive. But wants to do with it. stick frame construction, yeah, yeah. stick frame construction is yeah. so expensive right now. So two the, by four, and you're richer than than people with Bitcoin, <laughs> right? <laughs> so true, so true. So that's stuff like not saying that that's what we're going to do for sure because it's in its mm -hmm. infancy for me. But I guess the idea here that I'm trying to convey is being creative, yeah, and thinking outside the box, trying to kill the deal. Like those are ways to still invest in this market. You still have your four rates of return, Chris. Yeah. I mean, there's no other investment out there unless you're familiar with one that has four rates of return. Not like that. Not where you got the cash flow, you got the mortgage being paid down by the, the renter. So you're yeah. gaining equity there automatically, even if the house doesn't appreciate, you got the tax benefits. And of course, you got the bonus appreciation too. I mean, it's that's a hard one. Like every time I even had a, a podcast interview I was on recently, they said, well, what are you doing? Like, what do you like? I said, well, my clients are always have a different answer because some mm -hmm. focus on growth, some want cash flow, some want both. But yeah. the one that has the best blend of cash flow, like high cash flow, cash on cash return plus growth is real estate. Yeah. I mean, especially with the turnkey model you have where you, you'd be hands off much more passive or semi-passive as I like to call it. Cause yeah. as you said, there's still headaches that can happen, but in the grand scheme of things, most of the time when you finally get the property, it's like watching grass grow. It's kind of boring. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And the cool thing about rental properties too, is you have control over the performance of the asset. Exactly. If you have another investment vehicle that you can get several rates of return, mm-hmm. you're usually just giving up control. Like you're handing yes. your money over and saying, well, hopefully I put my trust in this CEO or this in op- yeah. Yes. To be able to uh, get your good rate of return, but you can directly impact the value of the property in so many yeah. ways and the rate of return with the cash flow. I mean, raising this rent on this house and choosing not to sell it, stuff like that. I mean, you're in the driver's seat, which is really, really fun. And yeah. then I guess the last thing that I just, I told Chris, I mean, I, before I just am keeping my list of all the reasons why I'm continuing to buy And the last one is kind of a doozy right now with the political landscape is you're hedging against inflation with a 30-year mortgage. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which we all know inflation's coming. So Mm -hmm. it's true. Cheap money. That's what companies are doing right now. The reason that stocks are going up is because companies are buying back the shares of their stock from the investors. They're buying them all back because they know they can borrow money at cheaper rates than what the inflation is right now. Yeah. So yeah, you've got cheap money where even if you got four and a half percent, the fact is that inflation is four and a half percent. You basically have a zero interest loan. Yes. Not including all the returns you're already getting, but it's not costing you anything right now with inflation. And I think inflation is going to be worse than four and a half percent. Honestly, I think it's always been higher than four and a half percent, but we've just had governments try to show a lower number. So they don't have to raise social security wages up higher. So they can keep that cost of living benefit down and keep that social security lasting longer. Yeah. I mean, they just came out with, I think they were, it was sitting around 4% month over month yeah. from last, last, last year, same time. Thank you, Chris. Yep. So that is something that people don't usually think about. So if you get your depreciation, you get a hedge against inflation, you get to have some cash flow coming in from the property. Even if your cash flow does nothing more than pay for your maintenance and vacancy yeah. on the property, it like even that worst case scenario. And then I, for myself, I'm getting the bonus depreciation. Mm-hmm. So I'm usually making all my money back on my rental property within a year or two with yeah. all of those things combined. It's mm-hmm. magic. So you know, I'll add one more bonus for the argument for real estate is that when we talk about the Biden tax proposals and stuff, which we know that the, the original plan of his Biden plan won't get passed, right? That's just too extreme, but there's probably gonna be some version that will get passed. It might be a compromised version, yeah. but notice that most of the things we're looking at taxing are mostly things with capital gains. That's the things that like your stocks, your Bitcoin, those kind of things where you have those kind of gains that's not including real estate. Because real estate's not, there's capital gains, but we still can do the whole 1031 exchange. And, and yeah, he talked about 500,000 plus would be a potential tax there, right? But we don't know if that's even going to happen because yeah. most of the politicians have real estate themselves. Maybe they don't want to have to tax themselves. So I think if there's any argument for real estate, it's the fact that really if the politicians are protecting real estate investors and business owners, that's probably where you should be more looking to invest. Yeah. And I think what we've thought too, is even if they pull away the 1031 exchange, they're going to find, there's going to be another loophole in there because like you said, they're self-interested, right? So they're going to look out for themselves. So they're going to put another loophole in there that we'll just take a minute to find it. Right. And so the 1031 thing at first took my breath away that it was even a conversation to get rid of, but then I'm like, yeah, it's always going to be that way. They're always where they own real estate. They're going to protect their own, protect exactly. themselves. So. Exactly. 
Well, awesome, Heather. I really appreciate your time today. This is awesome conversation. I know this has been burning in people's minds for a long time. So really appreciate your time. If people want to reach out to you guys and just Mm -hmm. learn more or just even follow you, what, what would you recommend? Yeah. Um, so our podcast, I find to be really helpful in understanding Mm -hmm. who we are and what we do, how we make money. And cause a lot of times that's a question that's burning in people's mind, but they feel awkward asking. So we are a real estate brokerage, so we make money just like a brokerage does, but our website is rpcinvest.com and they can email us at invest at rpcinvest.com. Invest is singular. It's hard over with the mic and everything. (laughs) (laughs) I-N-V-E-S-T. That's right. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Dot com. Yeah. That's right. So they're welcome to reach out. Um, I think following the podcast, if people are interested in real estate investing in particular, I find that to be really helpful. Um, We talk about some alternative strategies and things on there. We are helping clients get into the note buying space and stuff Mm -hmm. as of late, just looking at secured assets, things that aren't just going to evaporate. So we're going to be moving into that field, I guess, here this year. So it's really exciting and fun. So I'm loving it. That's great. Well, again, Heather, appreciate your time. Like great value always. And I've loved working with your company personally. So thank you so much for being here today. Likewise, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. You have a great day. You too. And the rest of you, again, it's not just enough to listen to these podcasts. It's another thing to do it and have that action turn into results. So guys, make it a wonderful and prosperous week. And we'll see you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now.